everybody. Welcome back to the Big Mark Podcast. This is me, your host, Big Mark. If it's your first time listening, welcome. If not, welcome back. Uh, like I always say, um, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. Hit the bell for the notifications so you know when our next video comes out. Um, wherever you're listening, please give us a five-star review. I know it doesn't sound like much, but it really helps the podcast. Um, please share it with your friends if you'd like. If you want to reach out to us at any time, hit us up on our Twitter or Instagram at the Big Mark Podcast or at the Big Mark Pod. And if you want to support the podcast, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Big Mark Pod. Um, it's always a pleasure to have our guests here, and it's uh, a great pleasure to have Mr. Jody Aberdeen in the studio. How are you? Doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great to see you. Yeah, thanks. This is what I was saying before. I was like, this is the most professional like setup I've had for a podcast interview in my life. I appreciate that. I'm honored. I'm honored to say that. Is this your first podcast? It's not my first podcast. My first non-Zoom based podcast okay. interview. And like, I, I genuinely feel like a rock star. You've got all the stuff here. It's great. Like, I got you water. You got me water. You know what? <laughs> I, I feel like we could have gotten some more heavier stuff if I didn't have to drive home tonight. I know, <laughs> I right? Down for that, but definitely 100%. amazing. Yeah. And again, you know what I mean? Like it's it's one of these things where um, there's no limit. You can always come back. We can always do another time. And it was funny because we're trying to we we're trying to work this a little bit into our, into our schedules because of kind of the dates that are coming up really soon, mm-hmm. right? We wanted to kind of get this in. It is, it's what, what is the date today? The 20th? The 20th today, June 20th. June 20th, and in five days is Mr. Anthony Bourdain's birthday. Yep, June 25th. June days. 25th. Five days, four days. Five days, four days. When this comes out, yeah. um, this will be coming out on Wednesday, so it'll be, it'll be like three days. That's right. Yeah. Um, what is time even? I, mean, I know. Yeah. And you might be watching this at some other time long, long after or next year or whenever. Right. But I mean, June 25th, half Christmas. It's, mm-hmm. hard, it's hard. It's hard to uh, forget that one. And it's hard to forget, obviously, um, obviously, Anthony Bourdain, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, the kind of the kind of way we kind of got into um, the idea of even having Jody on was we were, we were talking about Anthony Bourdain and you had started a new Instagram account. You want to talk to talk yeah. to about that? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. Cause we had, uh, cause you know, working at the same place and passing each other like ships in the night type of thing. I mean, totally. coming in for a shift, you going out to do your stuff and we never really got to talking. So this one time, not all that long ago, I suppose now a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, finally had a nice in-depth conversation with you for right? sure. And I forget how it came up. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anthony Bourdain's name came up. It mm-hmm. might have been around June 8th, you know, the, the anniversary of his suicide. And right. came up a conversation. I mentioned that I'd run this tribute account uh, mm-hmm. to him mm-hmm. called Stories of Uncle Tony. Mm-hmm. So Bourdain, I'm sure we'll get more in depth into how that came sure. about. But uh, and, and why Anthony Bourdain meant so much to me personally, even though I never met the guy like so many others. Sure. But uh, it started the year before the pandemic. So 2019... A friend of mine had announced that he was getting married in Colombia. Cool. And realized that we're going to Cartagena, which was the first, the scene of the first episode that I'd ever seen of No Reservations. Oh, no way. Yeah. So cool. And I thought, well, I'm the only one out of my friends who's able to go, who's available. He gave us like a month's notice. Right. And I thought, okay, this is going to be me traveling like Anthony Bourdain. I'm going to try to, I'm going to take everything I've learned over the years from the guy and put it together. So this, the, the account started out as a way to tell that story. And then I thought, well, that's a little 
limited, why don't I expand it to having just people? There's got to be tons of people, obviously millions of people who were touched by him somehow. Sure. And they made big decisions. And so I created that account to say, look, this one's for the fans. Mm -hmm. Share your stories. What did, did you get to meet him? Did you go to a place because of what he did? Did you, are you in the, are you in the hospitality industry? Like, like let's share your story. So the account kind of grew from there and it coincided with, cause he, he, he died in 2018. This is 2019. It coincided with the very first Bourdain day. Oh, wow. So I documented my trip to Columbia in April. And when I came back, they had announced the Bourdain day stuff and it was coming up to the one year anniversary of his death. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of outpouring, a lot of conversation. It was still very fresh. People couldn't believe he was gone. They couldn't believe he was gone at that particular time with everything going on in the States and everything going on worldwide. And right. uh, this was, it, so the account basically took off from there. Mm-hmm. Simple format. You tag me in something or I, you, I search the hashtag on Instagram, Anthony Bourdain. Right. Somebody posts a really cool story. I will reblog it with attribution so you can see the name. For sure. The person with a little bit of commentary in mind yeah. uh, of my own mm-hmm. before it. And uh, that became a... It took off from there. Absolutely. I, I was getting requests for tags. I was getting people now DMing me. Cool. And yeah, it, it took off from there. And uh, it's been four, I guess, three years now. Wow. No way. Yeah. It's been that long. Because yeah. I think so. I think actually potentially how it started was, I think I followed you on Instagram and then I saw that yeah. that the, the, um, the, that you're that both accounts that's were linked. Right. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what it yeah, was. That's how and, it I was and I was like, hey, I did a podcast about yeah, that's uh, what it was. Right. That's and right. It, I, so for any, everyone who's watching, if you haven't seen it, I, I had done an episode about Anthony Bourdain, the solo podcast I do. You know, I like to have a topic, kind of make things a little bit more streamlined when I'm just kind of like soloing it. Um, but uh, again, you know, Anthony Bourdain was was. You know, we kind of had chat. We we chatted about it briefly, but, mm-hmm. and I'd, I've spoken about this you know, momentarily in other podcasts. But growing up, I was like my one of my favorite channels was the Food Network, and it, not only because I was like a little fat kid, but it was like I my grandmother and I watched it a lot. My grandmother was really into cooking. She had worked in kitchens and stuff. Uh, she was from Lithuania, and again, coming over, um, you know, making your own food was important, and you know economical and doing all that stuff right so she was always about about cooking and um this would have been you know late 90s early 2000s at the time um a lot of the shows on the cooking channel were cooking shows (laughs) unlike today which Mm -hmm. are it's very different you know it's a lot of iron chef contests and gordon Ramsay yelling at people and stuff Mm -hmm. but it's uh it was back then actually people cooking emerald lagasse doing his thing bobby flay people actually teaching you how to you could watch the show and actually probably cook along with it you know mm-hmm. what i mean um but right around the late 90s is kind of when anthony kind of started coming on the scene right and he kind of started doing it was he started with no reservations no he started with a cook's tour a cook's that, tour that was the right. very first one yeah Okay, with cool. With the super ghetto 2000 era graphics and, right, and, right. and, and production values. And that was on the Food Network, right? Uh, I think it was... Because uh, he went to the Travel Channel he, at one point. Yeah, I don't know if he was on Travel Channel at the time. I don't remember at right. this point. I know now he is. You can access the entire series for free sure. um, via the YouTube cool. channel for that. But I think originally it started out kind of small. I think he was on Food Network initially, and it was difficulties that he ran into with the network. Right. 
that led him to basically take it. You know, they they basically cut him loose or he cut them loose. And that's when Travel Channel picked him up. Totally. Something like that. And and again, watching all these other cooking shows, it was like, oh, cool. You know, when is this guy going to like show us how to cook, essentially? But the travel aspects of it and the I mean, again, Anthony Bourdain has such an interesting way of looking at things and his prose and the way he writes is so distinct that I think that's what was such a big part of the show, obviously. But um, again, just his his general attitude about like going new, going to new places, trying new things, you know, not really like caring what anyone else had to had to say about it and doing it like in a kind of rock star fashion right mm-hmm. like i mean that was his whole that was his whole thing right and watching that was like oh man like it just w- makes you want to go to all these places he's been right it makes you want to try all this food and i mean i think the only thing he really didn't like was like that fermented shark right i think he he had a few things but that fermented shark and it was the worst yeah. at least exactly no so. one I, i've seen other travel hosts go there i think uh andrew zimmern went there right. i think a few others no one likes the Icelandic fermented shark. But here's the weird part. Okay. That makes me want to try it even more. Of course. Yeah. Well, I want to know why people don't like it. Yeah. Like, it's like it, food is one of the most interesting things. And it would be so interesting to be a food writer because it's hard to explain what something tastes like. It's almost like explaining what a color looks like. Yeah. Right. It's, it's you know, it, it's, it, it's in a sense an art form as well too. Right. Mm-hmm. So just writing about it is one thing you can write about the experience and how it makes you feel but like the actual taste of something right you have to actually try it right so um uh, again you know i i wouldn't necessarily say i'm the like i'm not picky when it comes to things i'm not the most adventurous eater potentially but again when you when you get put in a situation you got to try things right Mm -hmm. you know and um uh i think so well, I was in Portugal not too long ago, so I watched. That was no reservations in in Lisbon, right? In Lisbon, and that was like around '08 is when he was there. I think with that episode, and um, he was talking about. I think it was like uh, pig knuckle or something, and I remember eating something like that, and they didn't really say what it was. It was just this like really weird, crunchy, fatty, mm-hmm. cartilagey kind mm-hmm. of like thing, mm-hmm. and it was good. Like and and you know maybe I'm not gonna eat the whole plate. But like I'm gonna try some of it again, right? Yeah. Once once you're there, you, you're kind of there, and and you gotta kind of jump in with both feet. Yeah. I was in Thailand. I was in Bangkok, and I was only in grade nine, and I didn't have that outlook because I would have. There was so many way. Like there's so many things you can try. But uh, yeah, we were also there for a basketball game, so we were just like not very adventurous. No, I feel I feel that I have regrets. My ex-wife and I we honeymooned in Cancun. Okay. But this is pre-Bourdain okay. and very suburban upbringing for the both of us. We were look. she didn't want to, like she was scared of Mexico. Okay. I wanted to go to see Chichen Itza cool. and to try actual food because I'd started watching Rick Bayless, Chef Rick Bayless, yeah, yeah. Uh, Topola Bampo is a restaurant that he, he runs, I think he still runs it in Chicago. Okay. But he had a show called um, Mexico One Plate at a Time. I, right. I was watching these cooking shows, I think around the, the same sure. way you were, right? right it's like, right. same thing. You know, you know, um, fat kid growing up, loves food, <laughs> yeah. got a really sensitive palate, can really can uh, try different foods from different cultures. Par- parents from Trinidad also cool. used to having diversity of food. Unreal. We were eating well all the time. I want to learn how to cook as a kid. I never thought about being a chef. I wasn't that didn't attract me, but I liked the idea of cooking my own meals. Yeah. And so I started watching these shows cool. in Mexico. 
had I been with a different partner or had I been more adventurous, say, look, honey, stay in the hotel. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the street cart and have a taco. See, Bourdain had showed up two years before he did. Right. That would have been me trying it instead sure. of being afraid all the time. Because he, he pointed out very rightly a few times yeah. that when you see a place in the street, like a, a, a night market or something, and you see people lining up to eat the food and so many people eating the food, it's like you don't get that popular by poisoning your customers. <laughs> no kidding. So no obviously kidding. you can, with Mexico, the concern is always the water and getting Montezuma's revenge, etc. But right. you can take pills for that. So, yeah, for take, sure. So if you're worried about your own sensitive Western sanitized McDonald's suburban right. stomach gut yeah. lining, not being able to take the spicy, food, yeah. take a couple of pills or <laughs> right. whatever it was. Yeah. Go and eat the food. Yeah. Try something new. Get out of your comfort zone. Hundred percent. If I'd had that, that's so why I have those regrets too. Of like, I wish he'd shown up. Most of my traveling happened prior to 2007. Okay. And prior to my time with Bourdain, right? Like, like with him in my life as a as a TV figure. Mm-hmm. I wish I had done that because then I would have pushed my parents. A lot of my trips were with family. Cool. Would have pushed my parents to say, okay, no, let's not go to McDonald's tonight. Let's right. not eat the hotel restaurant. Yeah. Let's see what's around the corner. Yeah. Right. Where's the lineups? Where are people sitting? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and just to uh, sort of piggyback off of, um, I did, I've never been to Portugal. Okay. But I remember that uh, here in Hamilton, we have Art Crawl totally. every second Friday on James Street North. And there's um, the restaurant, uh, Dunas Verdes. Okay. Right. Yeah. Have you have you been there? Um, I haven't been to Dunas Verdes, but I've been to the Wild Orchid. To the Wild Orchid. Yeah, I've been to that too. Yeah, like, and then there's the Grasshopper. I think was Portuguese. Yeah. And then the Bakery Ola. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So there's like strong Portuguese like food scene there, right? Totally. Just in those just in those locations alone, 100%, right? Yeah. And I remember it was Art Crawl. It was the first Art Crawl after his suicide. Okay. And I thought I got to go do something. So. Yeah. First, there was um, there's Jack and Lois. I went there and, and hung out, right? But it was Dunas Verdes that got me. Yep. Because like it's I've never been here. I walk past it all the time. It seems more authentic. It's less. It's more for the people who are Portuguese, which I is see. what I want, right? Sure, sure. I sat down. It turns out they had this white bean seafood and rice dish Ooh. that they only prepared for our crawl. Wow. And I realized. I thought at that moment, it's like I've never had anything, like knowingly ever had anything Portuguese before prepared for me. Interesting. And I sat down. It's like the most delicious. Like you could have, like you've got the seafood. And right. again, now we're into the food description problem. Right. Of course. Of this, course. Right? It's all right. Uh, I remember thinking like, oh man, it's like the, I could taste the seafood element totally. to it. Right. Totally. Nice fish, uh, good rice. Right. And um, just felt really good. The richness of the sauce. Right. Mm. That was, it had body. It's it just great. Right. It How was, was it prepared? Like wonderful a- meal. It was on rice. Okay. Um, and I had to use a spoon. But everything was there, right? Mm. Uh, everything's it's just perfect meal. The white beans. Totally. And this is a combination I never would have thought of, right? Yeah. But the, I wouldn't have sat down. How many times have I walked past that restaurant? Sure. And that was partly why I had just come back from Montreal. Okay. And this actually ties into, well, <laughs> so we, my then girlfriend and I had gone with a friend, her friend from Boston cool. to a U2 concert. Oh, awesome. And, uh. Montreal was also on my list because of Bourdain because I thought, okay, Au Pied du Cochon is there. Right. Um, we ended up at La Banquise, which is another place that he stopped for the poutine, which I didn't realize was a stop of his when we were there. Oh, cool. Until afterwards. I was like, oh, wow, that's right. He actually did go there. No way. And like we, we didn't get to go to Au Pied. We didn't get to go to Joe Beef, but we, we, right. we tried different places. I followed the example. I remember we were in the Uber going somewhere, and the Uber driver never heard of Anthony Bourdain, so I'm sending him... 
Oh, Dude, you got to look this what? guy up. You're going to get people coming in from Montreal all the time because yeah. of his shows. You're going to drive. You're going to Uber someone around, right? For sure. So we're talking food. <laughs> this, this guy, this fucking Uber driver out of nowhere, <laughs> right, right? Right. And it was just so great. I'm chatting him up. And uh, at Opie de Cochon, we went there. It was closed. It was late night, right? Okay. And, and like a, I think it must have been like a Monday or something. They're not open. But I remember there's a counter in that episode where he went to Montreal. I don't know if you recall, but. Yeah. Um, Martin Picard basically served him what amounted to a 12 course meal of nothing but foie gras related stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of joke, this is this is a few days before June 8th, and I kind of jokingly made a post saying, hey, this is the restaurant where Tony Bourdain almost breathed his last. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, was like, oh, I didn't realize how dark that was. So the oh, whole right, trip, right. it was like he was there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to follow his example. And we got back to uh, Hamilton. Yeah. The night of June seventh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, "This is a great trip. I got to catch up." I didn't even think anything of it. Sure. And I was the morning I woke up, and uh, as is my custom, I had my phone next to me, mm-hmm. so I was still in bed. And the only headline that anyone's talking about was Anthony Bourdain dead. And I remember, I was I was half asleep. I saw it. I just kind of like, fuck. And I put the phone back. I, I went back to sleep. I was like, I'm not ready to deal with this yet. Right, right. And it was that kind of moment where he, the common uh, sentiment was that I feel like I know you, I've known you forever, but I've never met you. Mm-hmm. Right. There's actually a little girl in one of the episodes that said, said that to him. Right. Right. And that's basically true of a lot of us who are in that kind of fandom. Right. That otaku totally. um, for Bourdain. It's like totally. So he was always like this kind of friend, quasi friend slash uncle slash, right. right? Like big brother exactly. figure. Yeah, yeah. Who you kind of, who's always somewhere. I have a, I had a separate group of friends who always had this guy named Matt with them, right? They were all high school people. They went, they went to school here. Okay. They were the ones who stuck around, but this guy, Matt, apparently got all these things. So like a big thing whenever they'd have a little dinner reunion was be like, where's Matt today? Oh, he's in England. Oh, he's in Japan. Oh, he's this. Tony was like that for me. I was like, there's this guy who I, I know. I wonder where he is right now. I know yeah. he's out there somewhere walking the world. Big time. And that's when it, you know, it it, it, it hit me in little stages. Mm-hmm. And it's strange. Another sentiment is that people have said, I never felt this way about a celebrity death. Yeah. And it, over the course of time, like the that night at, at Dunas Verdes, mm-hmm. having that meal, was like was one of those most oh yeah and then um, trying to go to the restaurant next door I was like I'm gonna frequent I gotta get to know my own community yeah because that was the other thing he was big on you didn't have to go halfway around the world to find a great meal and to find great people right for sure and to have those in depth conversations totally um, I worked <clears throat> I still work as a as a ghostwriter you know a book ghostwriter yep um, as a as a freelancer right and I found that I had been unconsciously mimicking his space holding style i see because even though like we have a production value here you have the equipment you have all this but we're mm-hmm. having a real conversation exactly now you're very good at holding the space you're doing that very wonderfully right? oh thank you <laughs> yeah and i think i think maybe we're channeling a bit of tony right in this moment absolutely but this is this is it like the power in any conversation mm-hmm. is with the listener not the speaker totally and tony was a great listener mm-hmm how much of it? I I suspect this was genuine. He he said that 
when people start recognizing when when they started recognizing him more, mm-hmm. and then flagging him down in the middle of the streets to shake right. his hand or say something, right? Dave Chang, Chef Dave Chang, had actually pointed out that he he said he never saw Tony get impatient with anybody, lose their temper, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, lose his temper, and right. he asked them about that. I was like, how do you deal with that? And he said, whatever, I, the, if I, me being gracious with somebody is pre- as a consequence of me doing the work that I'm doing here yeah. is far preferable than being on the line in the kitchen. Sure. Right. Uh, at, at his age. No so kidding. He, it, that's the opt. And, and that's not to say it wasn't genuine. Sure. But Bourdain was, as, as we found out later, is actually an introvert. Right. Which means that that must have been a fucking nightmare for him at times. Oh my right? gosh. I couldn't. So, I, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so sort of bringing that back, right? Yeah, like yeah. I found that all these different things, Tony had been in my life. And so mm-hmm. um, that's why the following year, going back into uh, my buddy's wedding in Cartagena, I was like you. I was watching the Food Network a lot. Sure. Giada Del, uh, Giado's show was on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jose Andres did have a show thing. I think he was on PBS. Time. I'm watching. I'm consuming cooking show content like it was nobody's business. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. This is just my jam. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly, I'm flipping channels. I see Travel Channel, mm-hmm. and I just kind of leave it on. And it was the Cartagena episode. No way. And I think I don't know. I don't remember the exact moment, but it must have been like when they logged in. I was like, "No reservations." Who is this guy? Right. And <laughs> you know, they're panning around. We. This is what it was actually. Now I remember. We had a friend who had another friend who had mm-hmm. met a Colombian woman cool. in uh, Bogota. Okay. And they had recently gotten married. Oh no way! Yeah, this is like 2007-ish. I think 2006. They they got married before we did. Okay. And. I was like, okay, Columbia. Let's find out about Columbia, right? And the first line in the show, I'm expecting like, I'm expecting a travel brochure, right? Right. He says the first line was like, Cartagena, Columbia, the very upscale Boca Grande district, no doubt paid for by your 1980s excesses. <laughs> you know who you are. Uh, yeah. I was like, shit, did he just say that? Yeah. <laughs> and then later on in the episode, he, he talks about like they went to a street stand where they served like the lower. He's like the business end of lower intestine of the pig. <laughs> it's like. Wow, poop, poop shoot never tasted so good, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, did he just say poop shoot on TV? Like, what the fuck? And then they're bleeping out his shit, right? Like, of course. Like all of his cursing. I'm like, yeah. who is this guy? Yeah, that's like, exactly. I like him. And so I, uh, that's that was the first episode was in Cartagena. So, so the following year after he's died, when I get that opportunity to go, mm-hmm. I go. Hundred percent. And I didn't speak my my Spanish was un poquito, right? Okay. Uh, no es bueno. Just a little bit? Yeah. Okay. No es bueno. No good. Mi español no es bueno. That's not good. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I had to rely on my friends who were fluent, right, who were going to meet, right, in this wedding party. Super also, cool. you're going with a group who's with a wedding, so you don't, you do not want to be the problem. Of course. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. Like, don't be the reason why everything goes off the rails. Right. So I, I right. played, I played it very conservatively as much as I could. Okay. But we eventually, there was a, there's like the local market. Tony always said, visit, when you're visiting a place, go to the yeah. market. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this market is kind of off course. It's out way outside the Boca Grande. Okay. If you're on foot and you need to rely on a cabbie or something like that. So I need a fluent speaker with him. But sure. on the day of the wedding, we made it happen. I said, one of the, one of my friend's, uh, Relative showed up. She was mm-hmm. she was doing relief working in Colombia already. Cool. She got we got in the cab. We went to the market and did spin. I found the place where he was eating the food. No way. I did. It's like that market was like, 
it was a mess. They actually, I think they may have demolished it since and oh, reconstituted it somewhere else so they okay. could clean up the area. Right. But it was a true Colombian wet market. All yep. the fruits were there, all the, the food and everything like right, that. Right, Sat right. with a lady, paid something like four bucks for this amazing meal, possibly wow. a turtle. Oh, yeah. I don't know what was in it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> what was what was the dish? It was close to what he ate. It was it was it was the restaurant that serves the people who work in the market. Okay. So they will have a lot of local specialties. It was something involving rice. <clears throat> excuse me. Something involving rice, chicken. Yeah. <laughs> the the reptile, which is possible. It was turtle eggs. That's what it was. Turtle eggs. Okay. So okay. I did have that. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I, I hope that wasn't endangered or anything. But it's like, right. like these are the things, right? But this Anthony is the experience. Anthony wouldn't have cared. Yeah. And I got to sit and um, with my translator, you yeah. know, had a quick conversation with the, the lady. She's been there for 20 years. And, wow. Right. She said, I asked, you know, did, did you get a lot of Westerners coming in or visitors because of Anthony Bourdain? She said, I think she's a couple. Right. Right. But it's like I had a genuine brief conversation because we had to rush off because the wedding ceremony was that night. Oh, wow. Uh, but that was the experience and th- that was great. I got to, I got to live that. So cool. You know? And that, that whole, like, again, yeah. doing the way he did it. And it's funny when we were talking about, you know, finding a place that has as many people as you possibly can find. If there's a lineup, all the better. Yeah. Um, you know, I was reading Kitchen Confidentials, his first book, right? It's the book. It's not his first book. No. It's the book that got him the fame and fortune. That first he one was like an, an actual novel. Right? I think he wrote a crime. No, the, the bone in the throat came afterward. He'd written he'd written a couple of novels before right. that. Right. And it, they never quite took off. But his first big one was Kitchen Confidential. Was Kitchen right? Confidential. That was the one that put him on the map. And one of his rules was if the bathroom's dirty, don't eat there. Yeah. But he recanted on that later in life. I remember listening to that saying... You know, he's he's eaten at some of the dirtiest places in the world and had d- amazing food. Right. So, yeah. again, these are the things where it's like you can't be afraid. And if the local people are eating there, that's the most important thing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, going to these markets and and that's where, you know, you'll, you'll find other chefs. That's where you're going to find, again, the people who are interested in that food, too. Right. And um, the the example that that Anthony kind of like put out for everyone is is an, is an amazing one to follow when you're traveling mm-hmm. because it just puts you in that mindset of being like again avoid the McDonald's avoid like the places that look like oh they have oh American food or yeah. whatever they say you know what I mean and yeah. if it's empty it's probably empty for a reason like you said and and if it's full it's full for a reason yeah and it's not because they're poisoning people <laughs> yeah, right exactly. yeah. so I never think- have the Western breakfast at an Asian hotel yeah. It's like you're just going to you could be staying at, at like the Four Seasons Beijing or something like that or Tokyo. It's like don't have the Western breakfast. Right. Go have what the locals are having. Yeah. Which is probably like some type of savory breakfast kind of thing that we might not be used to. But again, yeah. it's, that's that's the thing is that it's actually funny. Um, I've been I've been following this. Uh, I guess she would be a nutritionist on, on Instagram, but she's talking about like glucose levels and things like that. You found a like, nutritionist on Instagram? Uh, imagine. Wow. Imagine. Oh my gosh, man. That's <laughs> just incredible. You hit a, what a find. They're rarely on there. I know. <laughs> I don't know if she's just like, that's what I mean. She's a, she's a, talks about nutrition. So whether she's a trained nutritionist or not, she has a book. Again, that's not necessarily a credential, mm-hmm. but um, she talks about like glucose spikes in your eating and mm-hmm. that you shouldn't eat necessarily a sweet 
breakfast first because yeah. it spikes your glucose in a way that like a savory wouldn't. So it's really interesting because she actually will show you like a big part of her actual Instagram is she shows you like food combinations that actually reduce your body's like glucose spikes. Mm -hmm. So like cantaloupe and prosciutto. Yeah. Actually, if you just ate cantaloupe, your glucose level goes crazy with the prosciutto it like it like kind of almost flattens off mm -hmm. so it's like it's interesting some of those traditional food pairings um they're actually healthier for you in a way yeah even though even it, and then if you took the constituents apart it, it your body deals with it differently again yeah. that's what's fascinating about food to me too the the there's so many ways you can look at it right like yeah. i was a big fan of alton brown uh yeah alton, alton brown, brown right yeah from good eats yeah because he was like a scientist with it yeah. You know, he would tell you and he would draw molecules and shit. And like, it was all about yeah. what like the, the science of cooking, like yeah. what heat and surface area. And like, again, like the physics essentially of, of cooking where some other chefs would be much yeah. more art artistry involved and feel and mm -hmm. who cares what temperature and not like measuring shit and all that stuff too. Right. Yeah. And then the, the actual, like once you eat it is fascinating too. Like mm -hmm. what your body does with it and like how you digest it and like different parts. Like I had a really, really good biology teacher in high school. I went all over this stuff in, in university too, but my biology teacher was like the first to really lay out like what the digestive system is. Shout out Mr. Nederveen. He did a really, really good job of like, I don't know how he did this. I don't know if this was his, his thing, but he basically had the digestive system as like a machine. He like just like recreated it, kind of like drew this this picture with like a funnel at the beginning and then like a exit at the end. <laughs> but it's like your entire digestive system because your digestive system is weird. It's not really a part of your body in that in, the, yeah. in a way, right? There's yeah. an opening at at each end. It's kind of like a tube that runs mm. through the middle of you. Yeah. And in fact, no part of your like in in inner parts interact directly through it either through like other than like blood barriers mm -hmm. right yeah. so um it's a it's an interesting interaction with your body and then you have like weird the micro gut, the gut back to the microbiome right the forest like yeah. our, our own kind of flora right and that's essentially how we like yeah. develop in the womb is we kind of like we start with the ass first essentially <laughs> that's I, I, yeah. I read that yeah and that's what they mean because yeah. your digestive system kind of is the first part that that yeah. and then you grow around it yeah. which is super interesting right and yeah. that gut flora and people have like candida uh, mm -hmm. like different gut gut flora and different it's not just candida but there's other ones where different gut flora will become overactive and then it like actually affects your mood mm -hmm. and your like decisions oh yeah yeah because 70 percent of your body's serotonin is made in the gut yeah so wow huh. which is a lot yeah and if your if your gut is messed up like that's why they said, I, I don't know, I don't know who said this, but there's like three brains, right? Like there's your yeah, actual there's brain, your heart, and your, heart your gut. Heart and your gut, yeah. And, be, and it's, there's some physiological backing to that because there's, so there's efferent and afferent neurons, right? There's mm -hmm. neurons that go from your brain out, and then there's neurons that go from your body back to your brain. Yeah. There's more, and those are, the afferent go out and the efferent come back, I think, if I remember. And there's more efferent coming from the heart going to the brain than there is from the brain to the heart. Mm -hmm. So there's something in the heart telling the brain more stuff than the brain is telling the heart. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is super interesting. And a lot of cultures, 
the heart is special. I know in Christianity, the sacred heart and the immaculate mm-hmm. heart, all that stuff, right? And yeah. again, it's just kind of like your your center. Yeah. And then there's like the gut, which is like an intuition kind of thing. Yeah. Right? Where It's not a coincidence we use these words to describe those experiences. Big right? time. Yeah. Or like someone has a lot of guts. Yeah. Right? And they're brave. And it's something like, that's an interesting one, right? Where it's yeah. like, um, again, you have that, you know, if they're if and people are yellow bellied, if they're not braver, if they're yeah. not brave, right? Like yeah. it's interesting. It's it's it's, it's interesting you bring this up because like again, mm-hmm. relate this back to to Bourdain and cooking generally, right? I've been make I've been getting very well versed in homemade bone broths. Unreal. Yeah, and making that out of beef and stuff to feed Tremendous. the gut flora, and okay. and as, as well as having kefir, right? Yes. Now these two things alone, if you would, the, this is related to the openness that. You know, guys like Bourdain basically encourage, right? Sure. If you had told me, if anyone else, because again, nutritionists on Instagram, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anyone else had told me, it's like, dude, you got to have some more bone broth. You should have some kefir. You should have some yogurt. You should do all these, you know, these healthy things. Most people, I would just be like, oh man, that's some health food scam. It's right. like something like that, right? It's not going to work. It's just, you're making money off me. I would never try it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the openness that I have to food, largely thanks to guys like Anthony Bourdain, yeah, I want to go back in the kitchen now and actually go through the trouble of, you know, just just like roasting the bones yeah. and and salting them and getting the apple cider vinegar and throwing them in a slow cooker with some different spices and mm-hmm. boiling them down, right? Nice. Like like this is the gateway to try new things, right? And I mean, I, I think it's another Instagram account called Arcade Bullshit. Okay. He talked about bone broth made right. of skeletons. Right. I'm drinking. I'm drinking the bones of my enemies, which is a lot sexier than saying I'm eating soup. Right, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. And you're getting all that right. And then the idea of trying something that sounds exotic to this Western brain, like kefir, sure, um, it contributes to overall health, right? Mm-hmm. And again, you have to have that openness. These cultures that he's talked to, like a lot of the time, he's gone to different places where they're eating these things and. If you're sitting there at home in, in your mm-hmm. nice suburban area, and I'm not knocking the fast food thing. I mean, I had I had fast food today. Sure, right? Like like I eat everything. I love food. Yeah, but like uh, if you're judge, if you're stuck in that little suburban subdivision sprawl thing where right. like you think people, everyone looks the same, everyone eats the same, everyone yeah. does that, right? You're less inclined to see the value of different foods. And some of these places, like he went to Okinawa. Mm-hmm. Okinawa has some of the mo- the the biggest collection of centenarians because their their food is basically leafy greens. Tremendous. But it's prepared in a way that's delicious. Right. You want to eat this stuff. Totally. Right? And and like, how else are you supposed to know? And yeah, there's a whole rabbit hole like we can go into about the heart and the brain, all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but you're right. Feeding your gut, mm-hmm. what you eat, how you eat it, how you prepare it matters. Big time. And it's interesting. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's our, our w- the way we've grown up and where we are and our family and our ancestry, that, that has a lot to do with it too. And I heard one thing was, there was this tip where it was like, eat what your grandparents ate. Yeah. Because that's probably somewhere in you. And like I always say... Like I'm, I could, if I was really like, not that I'm super careful with my diet, do not get me wrong. Yeah. But if I was like, if I was, if I just completely went off the rails, said nothing matters anymore, I could easily get to 400 pounds, like no problem. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, I'm over 300 right now. Right. But like I could, I could get huge. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that comes from, cause my grandparents came from like Poland, Lithuania during World War II. Yeah. Not a lot of food. They were more or less under 
like malnourished people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they come to North America where all this food is available. My parents weren't so much. They could almost eat anything. Yeah. But now they got to me and it's like my genes are almost like, hey, whatever you get, you got to hold on to it because someday you might not have it. Yeah. Right. Where um, and, and, you know, and I always feel like the most I mean, I love Italian food, probably like my one of my favorite like genres of food, if you will. But like if I eat like just like meat and potato kind of thing, I'm like good. Like there's something that tells me like my body's like, yeah, right on. Where if I eat like super healthy and like just a bunch of salads, I feel like I have to eat 10 salads and I have to eat all, you know what I mean? Like to feel that same. And maybe, maybe that's what your body wants. Yeah. 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 I I cut across there. Sorry. No, yeah, yeah. No, maybe that's what your body actually wants. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily a McDonald's hamburger. Sure. But it wants some beef. It wants some fat, right? It wants the, it wants the umami. It wants all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. There's a whole sub philosophy of this whole food nutrition thing where they say, eat what you're craving. Sure. Which can it's be a dangerous, dangerous game. It's my a friend. dangerous game, <laughs> depending on who you are, right. especially if sugar's involved. Although, one of these nutritionists mm-hmm. <laughs> once, sure. once suggested that when your body's so no background in nutrition, by the way, I should clarify, no credentials. I'm just regurgitating what I heard from yeah. somewhere else. Um, <laughs> Our audience is used to that. Okay, awesome. <laughs> uh, this idea that whenever you're craving sugar, what you're actually craving is protein. That if you were to get protein, mm-hmm. your sugar craving goes away. Right. And I've, I've tried this out for myself. This uh, mixed result at times. Sure, uh, the sure. Sleep is another factor. Right. If you're not sleeping, and I actually wonder sometimes if this contributed to Bourdain's stuff, because if he's flying and traveling all over the world all the time, his sleep cycle's fucked. Brutal. Right? So where does that put your mental state? Sure. Right? And, and, and so, like, sleep affects whether you have sugar cravings and all these other things. And No, the ancestry thing, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, mm-hmm. too. So right now, um, in addition to working in service, which I want to talk about, like, how Bourdain opened up me wanting to work in the service industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll circle back to that in a second. But, like, the, uh, like this, um, I, I'm lately developing a ostensibly a coaching service. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big personal development guy. But I also realize that personal development is toxic in a lot of ways. And so I'm trying to find a way that works. Okay. So I've been getting into a sort of a natural, nature-based, personal depth approach that involves things like your ancestry. Right. And you'd mentioned Lithuania, Eastern Europe, right? Yep. And, and given that history, that epigenetic history, yeah, your ancestors probably had, even before the war, mm-hmm. had lots of famines going around because of either the communist system kind of fucking things up at times. Big time. Droughts. Yep. All these other things. My ancestry that I ran to trace, I was born in Trinidad and Tobago. Yep. And then prior to that, my Indian ancestors came from northern India, Uttar Pradesh in that area. So the okay. foothills of the Himalayas, I like to say, right? Cool. So we're all kind of, in, in the research I've been doing in terms of things like ancestry into the, this whole, almost like the mythopoetic way of looking at it. Totally. Which has some tie-ins to genetics, but it's very land-based, right? It's almost exactly. indigenous, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an in, there's, a, there's a point that your DNA had in its history the dna that we're both carrying right now where there was one place one climate one type of food like 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 one environment that it's used to that you could reasonably say you're from right in a way that indigenous peoples can say like in 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 all around the world especially around here right the Haudenosaunee can say this is where my ancestors were like have been for thousands of years exactly your ancestors probably in one place for thousands of years right yeah what was the nature of that place? Well, 
it could be that if you know we're both bigger guys, right? Yeah. Um, maybe in a place where there's drought. Yeah. Or where you can't grow, or you're constantly getting conquered. Yeah. Maybe your body just learned to pack on a few extra pounds just in case. Big time. And that has relevance. That actually gives me a straight, a peculiar sense of place in the world, despite all the craziness everywhere. Yeah. Knowing that this body may have been, you know, all this time growing up in North America where there's so much food, yeah. being skinny is the social values, the thing that makes right. you attractive or being buff. Right. And it's like, that's when times are good. When times are bad, though, that <laughs> the vegan jogger running down my street, my gentrified street, yeah. is not going to live long. No, exactly. <laughs> we'll look back in the day, all the kings were, were big and the and the yeah. serfs and the peasants were like super skinny, like yeah. malnourished, right? Yeah. Like, again, it's it's interesting how, how that, and like, you know, you mentioned even, you know, what are the things that we crave, that umami flavor, you know, yeah. those certain flavors, fat and salt are the hardest things to get in nature. Yeah. Right? Like in, up until obviously very recently, we've been able to like you know for the millions of years that like you know whatever our species has been around yeah it was very hard to get salt yeah you know very recently we've been able to mine it and then fat obviously again is yeah. hard to find cuz like even if you go and like shoot a deer now there's mm. like almost no fat in it yeah like it's very lean yeah. you know, a lot of those game meats right when tony went to uh the ozarks yeah. like, did you remember that episode yes yes right? yeah they had squirrel pie. Right. Now, as we're recording this, mm-hmm. we're a few months away from what people are predicting to be a spike in the food prices. Mm-hmm. So this has become, in recent weeks, the single best excuse I've had for not going on a fucking diet. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that yes. right now. Unreal. Because right? uh, it's totally reasonable, I think, at this point. Right. Uh, I just let, might let's, be forced to in a bit. You know, the that, that quote from the from Corinthians, you know, let us eat and let us drink for tomorrow we die, may happen. There it is. And, I'm, and I want to be clear, too, I'm speaking from an incredible level of privilege. I'm not rich, but I have many more privileges than many of the folks who are homeless or displaced right. or refugees right now. So I want to I kind of check myself, right? Yep. And make sure I'm in my lane. Amen. Uh, within that lane, though... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just letting the good times roll at this point because yeah. uh, I don't um, I'm going to get a physical soon to get sure. a checkup and because it's been a couple of years because, you know, pandemic. Right. Uh, I want to see how I'm doing. But as of right now, I don't feel strange. I want I think it might be OK to kind of just eat my fill. Sure. And then maybe a little bit more. Right. Right. <laughs> because who knows the availability and diversity of food. Now, sure. this also has me researching things like eating locally mm-hmm. and i thought you know and 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 you get that dark kind of undertone it's like well geez we're we gonna end up forming militias or something is things gonna break down what's gonna happen right because uh wealthy people yeah the country if you the the two revolutions i think of the most are the french revolution and the russian revolution where people who are used to having food mm-hmm. who when they don't get it mm-hmm. that's when things that's when they're going to coalesce around a, one particular set of groups who will basically destroy everything yeah. right yeah let them eat cake and all that stuff right or the russians where like people are starving because they're trying to feed the war effort like in world war one etc the bolsheviks move in etc and i see we've seen the freedom convoy stuff happening here we've seen just uh, like all these things kind of coalescing convalescing right yeah and it's like 
I wonder what's going to happen when the food... That's, that was just in response to the inconvenience of certain lockdowns, not necessarily things that was threatening one of Maslow's fundamental needs. Needs, exactly, right? yeah. So uh, I'm really concerned about the fall, but it's summertime now, so I'm <laughs> you know, going to let it ride. Right. And so I'm, but I'm looking around kind of preparing for it. I'm like, what can we eat if I, if I couldn't get anything? Well, once my freezer runs out, mm-hmm. once my flour and all this other stuff runs out, once my canned goods runs out, we do seem to have a lot of squirrels around hey, here. Hey. And they're pretty plump. They sure are. We got, we got raccoons. Yeah, man. And I'm also learning how to identify like plants and stuff. But okay. that, that, but sometimes, you know, when you have a crazy idea. Yeah. And you need that validation of someone who did it, right? Sure. I just happened to, to watch the Ozarks episode. And right. I was like, all right, Tony did it. And so it, it sounds kind of juvenile. It almost sounds very, very juvenile to say that. But again, because Tony is a, you know, is in my mind a trusted authority on trying different things and yeah. showing me that it's it's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, seeing that kind of reinforces, okay, well, we Wait. actually are, we're worried about scarcity. But if you know where to look. Mm-hmm. We are surrounded by abundance. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and so taking this kind of, as I'm building my coaching business and looking at this, the sort of the, the ideas of permaculture, which seems to fit a big sure. gap, right? Yeah. Now I'm, I'm, I'm involved in groups around here that where there are foragers. Mm. So I'm learning to identify, like, for example, we have this very invasive plant in Hamilton called um, garlic mustard. Okay. Have you seen this thing? I've probably you, seen you've it. You've probably seen it. It's right. everywhere, right? Okay. And the garlic mustard yeah. is edible. It's an invasive species, as which started like many other invasive species. Like yeah. somebody planted it for food, and it hopped their fence. Sure, and it's incredibly bad for the native plants here because it takes all the nutrients out of the soil, doesn't really give a lot back, and it spreads like crazy. The seed pods are very easily distributed. Interesting. Okay, and they they don't need much, right? Okay. So my thought is like, can we go on a garlic mustard harvest, right? Because yeah. it's food. Dandelion started out totally. as an edible thing, crop that was brought over from Europe. Big that time. Just, uh, Lots on, of Italians right? make dandelion wine to this day that I know. Yeah, that and, I and, and, since, and since the 50s, we consider it a pe- uh, just a weed and a pest. It's like, right. you have food yeah. growing on your green, your green lawn. You can have salad, right? Big time, it's, big it's, time. It's, it's the bitterness of it is good for your stomach, right? Sure. Very nutritious stuff. So now I'm learning to identify, and I don't. I, I if you ask me today to go I, to go outside right now, point it out. I can't. I'm learning, right. right? Sure. I have a plant app on my phone. Oh, cool. But my plant, do those work? Uh, those plant apps? <laughs> ish. It's tough. Ish. I'm sure. Like, yeah. Should sure I get the right picture? Yeah. It, the, there's no substitute in this case for like having a, a book. book, and with a picture on it, right? Yeah, I hear you. Now. YouTube is a great resource too to learn about yeah, the stuff. So that's my too. rabbit hole. It's like uh, when I'm not watching the new Marvel show or something like that sure. or the boys I'm watching like these things. Right. And so like, this is, this is all part of it. Right. Right. And it's a shift in the perspective where like we're thinking about scarcity. You're surrounded by food. You mm-hmm. just need to know to identify it as food. Have you ever heard of Steve Ranella? No. I haven't. Um, he, it's funny just thinking, I was just thinking about this now. He's kind of like the, like, Hunter Anthony Bourdain. I don't want to put okay. him up on such a high pedestal, but he's a writer. He's got yeah. a really great way of speaking and and um, has has a few books out there, but he has a podcast called Meat Eater. Yeah. And I think he has a show called Meat Eater. I think too. he does. I think I've heard of the show now. Yeah. So, and he takes people out and does all kinds of stuff, but like, you know, he'll teach how to like prepare a squirrel and like do all kinds of like, um, you know, anything that's in the woods. He's, he's all about and there's lots of hunting advocacy and all stuff. But 
again, it just made me think of that where it's like, you know, having someone say, yeah, this is something that people prepare. This is how you can do it. Yeah. Right. It just gives you that it you just seeing it. Right. Because, you know, that's how that's how humans are. Right. We're, we're very perceptual. We have these mirror neurons that when we see someone do something, there is an effect on our brain that it's like we're actually experiencing mm-hmm. it. So seeing these people and watching these these things and I feel like we've gotten away from certain shows like that where they're taking you to these new yeah. places and being like this is instead of it's moved to a new shifting. like kind of like, yeah, I'm here now. Watch me here instead of like. Focusing yeah. on the actual destination, and that's and that's something that it's it's starting to revert a little bit because that's yeah. how it used to be, right? Sure. There, there's like, like before before Bourdain, right? There, that was it. Like it yeah. was me in this place. Yeah. And even near the end, it was in the Kenya episode, and this actually recently ended up in in my Instagram account, right? It was like, right. he's like, who's you know, this isn't my story. This is Kenya's story. Yes. But who's but I'm behind the camera. Who's going to tell their stories? Who's coming up next? And he left that as an open question. And given that that ended up being the last episode of Parts Unknown that he narrated right mm-hmm. in post before his death, mm-hmm. it became like a very haunting thing. Right. No and, and in a way, people have interpreted that as like, is he passing the torch? Is he you know, what is he encouraging? And my take on that was like, yes, we should be telling more people's stories. Right. We should be focusing yeah. outward that way. Yeah. But uh, before he came along there was like this this documentary thing the travel shows were kind of boring and yeah. suddenly now every chef like dave chang like dave chang is this friend of his right like mm-hmm. and i love dave chang you know mm-hmm. he, every chef's got some problematic stuff but i like that dave he, i love his series ugly delicious mm-hmm. yeah which involved him going to these places and actually trying it and then sending other chefs to go and, and right to, to see where the food comes from and to tell For those sure. stories and he adds a social justice element that's more overt, I think, totally. than what Tony was doing, right? And you know, sure. in some areas. For sure. And that's that's the legacy. That's what you're carrying on. Is like this is the story that this the, you gotta tell the stories of the people who were there. Mm-hmm. And like that's that's actually a really great thing. Um now Gordon Ramsay. I love Gordon for different reasons. Sure. I don't hate on almost anybody, right? Of course, of course. Um but like like Gordon Ramsay, when he did his travel show. A lot of the episodes involved him suddenly going to these places and then showing them how to cook. And I thought right. that's not that's not what Tony did. Right. But Gordon's doing his own thing. Totally. Right. And that's fair. It's just not the same. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's as nearly as effective because it is very it is very networky. Yeah. Right. Like it's big more time. like like it's it's TV. It's it's a, it's a template now. For sure. And that whole look into that side of things. Right. Like it that's. Maybe that's Gordon's approach is like yeah. he wants to experience and it comes off as he's showing people because he's that's just who he, he kind of is. Yeah. But I feel like, again, and it's interesting, it kind of like what about Anthony kind of got you into the service industry? You kind of mentioned that. Yeah. A bit. Yeah. So so I had only I had never thought about it. Mm-hmm. I was raised in that, again, that suburban mindset of like get the immigrant mindset too from Trinidad, mm-hmm. middle class parents. Yep. Not university educated who like we're going to work these jobs so you can go to school, you can get a degree and then get a job in some corporation, get all these other things. Right. My, a lot of my cousins did that. OK. And uh, move up in the move up, get a house, get the spouse, get the car, get the kids, do that whole thing. It's essentially what we're doing. Sure. And so within that American context, with the North American dream, which is not working in a restaurant and or a brewery in this case, sure. right? Two breweries right. in your forties, right. divorced <laughs> and no children, right. right? These renting an apartment forever. Like this is, this is, this is not the vision. Right. 
but in a way, like I would enjoy going to restaurants. Yeah. I, I love food again, like going back to that. And then suddenly Bourdain is like, he's, he simultaneously romant, like, like led to a lot of people romanticizing it as well as showing that maybe this isn't for me, right? This sure. is hard work. Big time. It's Big brutal. Time. It's unforgiving. Mm-hmm. We saw it during the pandemic, right? They're the first casualties, right? <sighs> sure. Uh, in terms of businesses, a lot of people didn't come back from that. No. Uh, like right here in Hamilton, right? Especially, right? And then we, we're far from being unaffected by it. Sure. And and these are places that you take for granted. Yeah. And the perverse thing has been, um, now that we're back open, we've gone right back to taking them for granted. Of course. And But what had happened in, um, I was on government support. Mm-hmm. I definitely needed that. I, I would have been homeless in my car without it, right? Um. So I was, when that was about to run out, it's like, okay, well, the government said, okay, are you looking for work? It's like, I'm looking. Yeah. But the idea behind the programs is that you didn't have to be, you're, you know, there's no jobs, et cetera. So it was great. Now I'm actually getting a little nervous talking about this in case someone from CRA is listening. It's like, what? I don't think I did anything wrong. No. But no, like, no, I don't no. know, right? But um, that was about to run out. And I thought, okay, you know what? I got to get a job somewhere. So sure. I sauntered. I went to two places. I went up to... Oh, yeah. We're not going to mention names. Sure. I went up to a certain farm that has a market up on the top of the hill. Okay, great. To see if they had something, maybe I could do some kitchen work or something like that. I thought, okay, I was open to this because of Tony. It's like, like, this is work I've never tried before. It's okay. They didn't have anything. So I was like, okay. So then immediately I headed down because I remembered vaguely from Instagram that the other, that the brewery in town was having a job fair. Very cool. This is when people were complaining, oh, nobody wants to work because they're on CERB, right? Like, it, 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 I was like, whatever, right? Sure. So I walk in, talk to, you know, right? Yeah. And uh, I basically had the job. Unreal. So I thought, okay, this is great. So I'm, I'm front of house cool. serving beer. Yeah. And the first shift, I actually wanted to quit at the end. Oh, no. Because I didn't anticipate how hard it was. And that's not even the back of house stuff. Everyone here who works in a kitchen knows like oh, the front of house. Oh, yeah, I guess that's so easy. It's like, nah, man, that shit was hard. Uh, yeah. I'd never changed a keg before. I never had to do this. I never had to clean. I was like my my millennial entitlement, such as it was middle class millennial entitlement of like, I don't need to clean toilets. What am right. I? It's like, what am I doing here? Right. Right. So I lost my shit that night. I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to come back. And I thought, well, you know what? Let me give it another shot. Yeah. I'm glad I did. Happily. One of the best jobs I've had. It led me to the other place, which is also one of the best jobs I've had. Like, it's a great, great industry. You meet so many people. Totally. As of this recording, um, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez did a recent Instagram story that she saved. Yeah. Where someone, she she does great things, right? I'm on that side of the spectrum. Like, like I, I love what she does. And so. Absolutely. She says, um, she said that like somebody asked her during, during a, uh, an ask me anything. She's like, any advice for getting out of the service industry? And then she, it led to this little rabbit hole of like the superpowers you get being a bartender, being a server, even be, like like being a cook, right? Having mm-hmm. to deal, negotiate with that. Now that chefs are and the kitchens have been given sort of a rightful, I would hope, a more respectful kind of place. I think so. In the public. I think so. I think right? so. Right? Like, like these things teach you all these skills that people working in office talking to the same people every day using the corporatees language mm. all the time, right? They never do that. So like I'm I'm introverted. 
I'm obviously, I had done a lot of this personal growth work, as I mentioned, which led me to being able to create and generate this kind of outgoingness. But sure. make no mistake, there's a fuel tank that is like an afterburner in a jet plane. It's like it's starting to diminish, right, yeah. the more I do it. Right. And it does a, at every shift. It's the same thing. By the end of the night, I don't want to talk to anybody. Sure. Oh, <laughs> right? yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, but um, now I've seen it. I've met people. I can engage in more meaningful conversations. I can. 100%. My, my facial like ability to remember faces and names is yeah. improving, which is something I've always struggled with. Oh, that's great. It's it's not perfect, but it's it's getting there now, 100%. right? You get to know people's names and you remember, oh, yeah, how was the wedding last week? Or Big like, how did that meeting go? And yeah. It most importantly facilitates connection in a place where you're coming here for that. This is one of the reasons we stay alive. This is one of the reasons why we have, we make all that money. We work so yeah. hard during the rest of the week at at the non in the non service jobs. Yep. Because uh, we want to have these experiences, and I don't think. I would have been as open to the idea of getting a job in a brewery if mm-hmm. it wasn't for Anthony Bourdain. Wow. All those years of just the, the, the sum total of that, the other stories that he led me to in Chefs and Series is right. Sure. If it wasn't for that. Right. Right. Well, I think that's the, that's the great thing about, you know, you do get to see, it's dynamic, right? You get to yeah. see so many new people, you get to see new faces. And yes, there are some really terrible times where someone's coming mm-hmm. in and someone's being rude or, or whatever. It's a shame that we have that in in North America where you know even the like server's wage thing yeah. that whole thing tip based like when when I was in Europe it was mm-hmm. like you, or at least in Portugal and, and other places it was like no like tipping is not yeah. a thing yeah. like unless the service was outstanding it's not included yeah. the servers didn't weren't like uh oh this is my section like don't go near there they all just helped out each other like it wasn't like you know it was really like open and Again, I didn't feel because I think sadly, at least in Canada, and I'm sure it's the same thing in in the states too. Yeah, yeah. There's like this idea like server is really close to servant, and people oh, kind of yeah. push that line yeah. so hard. Yeah, and it's really a shame because this whole idea of like, oh, you have to work for your tip. Yeah, where you're already doing a service like you like someone has to bring you the food, someone has to give you the beer. Yeah, like you unless you're going back there and doing it yourself, someone has to do it. So why are we treating them like they're less than? Because historically it was uh, slaves true. who was doing that. True. You think, you think back to the Roman times, right? Like you're right. Like that's, that's what it was. <laughs> so like we inherited it, this ties back to ancestry too. Absolutely. Like you, you got to know the deep roots of your history. And then when you, when Big you time. do, when you do that, you realize that like empire as a concept. Sure. And as a practice emerges, and one of the first things it does is completely demolishes that indigenous kind of sense of equality, mm-hmm. that sense of like everyone. Yes, I may be a hunter, but like I'm just because I'm providing the meat doesn't mean I get more of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. uh, you know, the elderly and the and, and the young and the sick. Right. Totally. We take care of everybody. Yeah. That like that it takes out the empire. The, the imperial thing takes that out. And the Romans in particular were brutal with it. Right, because they would re they would conquer you, then say, "Look, we can either kill you now, or you can sign up with us. You're gonna be a Roman citizen. Mm-hmm. We're gonna move you to somewhere else in the empire, and you're gonna raise your kids there. They're gonna get automatic Roman citizenship." So then they they've never been to Rome, but then what you've done is you've severed them from your ancestral lands, 
from the graves of your ancestors, from the shrines, right? Mm-hmm. The lands that you've known. So then you have no roots. And then the Romans go and conquer England. Right. And then England gets conquered again and again by other Romanized peoples, right? Sure. I'm assuming. Yeah. No expert, right? Right. Uh, and then the English, then the British become what? The big empire. Right. And they go and conquer everybody else. And who are the first people that they knock off is other indigenous peoples in North America, big in time. India, in Africa, right? And then this little experiment in America, like, suddenly starts up and they become their own thing. And what do they do? They move west and knock off the rest of them. Totally. Right? So now you have this like, this kind of rootlessness to it. Yeah. And then you forget your history, but you carry with it many institutions, mm-hmm. including food service and food preparation for the public in a restaurant. Sure. Like, restaurants may not have existed in the Roman days as by that name, mm-hmm. but they're public places you would go to eat. Right. And it was always slaves doing that. So when you have Romanized uh. Western modern culture... It gets into the attitudes of people. They don't even know where it comes from. Yeah. And then when you go and look, it's like, okay, that makes sense. It does. Right? So that's where that is. And this is a big, this is kind of a big tangent, but it's, it's, it's worth noting mm-hmm. that it's no surprise to me that many people in the service industry who stay in the industry skew to that progressive side because they totally. know what it's like to be, they're the underdogs. Right. And they, they get it, right? And it's this is where movements start with people connecting like that. Mm-hmm. And as AOC kind of pointed out, like there's no better way to grow your EQ, right? Your then and your empathy for other people mm-hmm. than to serve them drinks and to bring for out sure. their food. For sure. And uh It brings people together too. It's funny, yeah. I always used to say not to continue on the not to even become more tangential, but um <laughs> Offensive line on the football team. I, I yeah. played football at Western. A uh, lot of big guys. We grew up big guys. Like not too many dudes were like little skinny kids and became offensive linemen. Some did, but most of us were. You yeah. know, grew up around food. A lot of food. And in sports and athletes, there's a there's a big nutrition aspect to to that. In fact, I did like in, within my degree, there was times in my classes we talked a lot about like eating disorders and things like that as well in sports with like weight you know, yeah, weight yeah. categories and certain like wrestling and rowing and things like that. Anyway, as offensive line, we were always together eating and we were like the, we were like the closest knit group on the, on the team. And yeah. I really do believe it comes from that. Cause I think there's a, you know, there's hormones and there's things that are released that calm you down when you're eating. Right. Cause there's fight or flight and rest and digest. Right. Yeah. And you're in that digestion mode, the people around you, you're going to be like, Oh, these people are cool. Like we're eating together. He's not trying to take my food. Like I'm, we're good. Like everyone's happy. And that is a bonding experience. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think being a part of that in the serving aspect, you you are a, a crucial part of that. Yeah. And to experience that with so many different people on the same day, it can be overwhelming in a sense, but it's also, again, you take the good with the bad. There is amazing things you can experience with that, right? Just that, that feeling of community, feeling a part of that, right? Yeah. And providing people with, with a service that they're happy with too, right? Yeah. And I think, again, service industry people, you know, again, they, they are looked down upon in a way, but then Bourdain came and he was like this. He elevated. Big time. Right? Big in time. a way that almost no one prior to him had done that. And the thing is, too, right. he was likable. Yeah. Like, there's people, who, they'll, they'll point to Marco Pierre White as being the first, like, kind of rock star, punk rock chef. But Marco Pierre White is not that likable in right. a lot of ways. He, t- right. he says that. Now, Bourdain has said some shit, too. Right? Of course. 
notably against vegans. Totally. Notably, right, right? Well, you wrote that whole, that one book. It was all just like yeah. chirping other people, right? Which one was that one again? Uh, I think it was the, uh, the sec, the, not like, the, was it the nasty bits or was it uh, something like medium that raw? picture the cover medium raw? Medium I think raw. It was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he actually then pointed out like he, he, he used to chirp Rachel Ray. Right. Rachel Ray sent him a gift basket and he's like, and he stopped chirping Rachel Ray. And he said, that's actually how easy I am. Right. <laughs> And, 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 you know, to some degree, like there's, there's been conversations since um, about how much of Bourdain was what we saw versus what he actually was like. And the sure. persona of authenticity, it's it's a it's a it's kind of an oxymoron, the persona of authenticity, which in itself seems inauthentic. But <laughs> the same way, like we're, we're having this conversation right now, <laughs> I'm feeling really relaxed in this moment. But authenticity is always incomplete when you're looking at it through this medium. It's true. Right. Yeah, because like you you know you don't see me when I'm pissed off, when I'm tired, when I'm mm-hmm. hungry. Yeah, kind of hungry now because yeah. we're talking about food. Not <laughs> no gonna kidding. lie, I know. Right, but, but you don't see all all the dimensions of it, right? And the same thing sure. with Tony. He's like, you don't see him in his private moments. Apparently, right. the people who did said that he was just super quiet. Yeah, he's vibing. Right, exactly. Most of the time, right? Like he said, uh, he he had a conversation about sunsets over the desert in the Sahara, and he said there are times where he would have this impulse to be like to kind of gather someone around, and say, hey, look at this, right? Mm-hmm. But then his introversion kicked in. He's like, well, no, um, this is only for me. The camera's right. not on. Right. I'm not going to tell my crew this. I'm just going to sit and enjoy the sunset. And, and, and uh, yeah, elevating the service industry, folks. It's like, do you know how many... Was it Chuck Palahniuk in Fight Club? He said, like, some of the most brilliant... I've known some of those brilliant men ever. They're pumping gases and, cert- and waiting tables, right? Yeah. And th- these, these are the most brilliant men that have walked the earth. And this is, you know, not just, not just men or women. or just, like, across the gender spectrum. It's like... I've met such cool people mm-hmm. who do interesting things and they're compassionate. Yep. They're nice. Do they have their, they're eccentric in a way that I like? Yeah. I, I don't want a boring corporate conservative person, right, right, in my life like too like too much, right? Sure. I want someone who's got like a really strange hobby. Right. Who kind of who isn't tuned into the the, the consumer capitalist system as much, right? Not to say that we, we all participate to some degree. Sure. Um, but like, I want someone who's an outlier. And, I, and Hamilton, in this, you know, making it local again, it's like, this town is full of them. Yeah. And I'm worried that it's increasingly not because we're getting the condo thing and the, only, and, and the, and the, the folks from Toronto coming in, right? There's a, there's a, I think it was a talk at South by Southwest or something like that mm-hmm. like at, at one conference where the, this guy from Seattle said that he hated everything. He's like, Seattle's doing this whole crazy... He's like, he prefers Portland to Seattle because Seattle's always doing this crazy thing. Yeah. It's trying to impress Tokyo. Oh, wow. Toronto's trying to impress New York all the time. Big time. Big time, yeah. <clears throat> and I love Toronto, too, for its own qualities, but... Sure. When the, the symbolism of them tearing down a place like Honest Ed's to build another condo... Nothing sacred there. You're killing me. So when they come, so when we have Toronto folks coming here, and I say this as a Brampton person who came here, right? Sure. So I, I'm one of the invaders, right? <laughs> um, if we're just going to be replicating the same stuff, yeah, we're going to lose that eccentricity. Exactly. Right. So you're always going to need like that underdog class to kind of keep it real. I don't know how sustainable that system is. Now we're on a big tangent. I'm going to try to lure it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to see some big stuff happening in the next few months, right? Just with, with when everything catches up to us in terms of the price hikes and such. Yeah, exactly. But, um, and this is one thing too that uh, I know we're a bit over time, but I'm, I'm okay. Oh gosh, no worries. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, I have missed Tony's perspective yeah. since 2020. 
like I would have loved to have seen what he would have said about this about sure. about lockdowns and masks and vaccine mandates and restaurant bailouts and 100% the war in Ukraine that's a heartbreaking episode now you want to watch no reservations it's not, if to watch that now and he's like he's in Kiev and yep. he's at Chernobyl and they're talking about the food and shit this is this is part of the thing the world that Tony Bourdain walks no longer exists. It's true. And so watching those shows can be tough sometimes. It's true. On the other hand, the world that anyone on TV in syndicated TV has that who has walked it mm-hmm. no longer exists by the time you get there. Case right. in point, he had a restaurant going back to Cartagena restaurant in the historic district, the Cent- the Centro. Um, there's a seafood restaurant. It's the first stop that he had yeah. in Colombia. You go there now. There's a line up out the door of the place. The guy actually opened a second restaurant. We had to oh, go wow. eat there because we, we couldn't get into the first place. Whoa. There's a picture of Tony in front. Cool. Right? Like these, these are the things, right? Um, he's been everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's like a, he, he's, he, if I were an alien coming to earth yeah. and I'm visiting different places and I keep seeing this likeness of this one guy, I would assume he was some type of deity. Yeah. For sure. And that's kind of what's happened to him, right? And I Absolutely. think like it's the, true. the biographies like Tom Vitale and, and, and Lori Woolliver, where they, they've released it afterwards, like his good friends, right? Mm-hmm. Have brought him justifiably down to earth, mm-hmm. right? Because he was a guy. Yeah. That was the initial appeal in the first place. Is that yeah. he's an ordinary dude. Totally. Exactly. <sighs> Coming, especially when we're saying from that, mm-hmm. you know, your Emerald Lagasse's yeah. and these guys that were, you know, and, and, and again, there's other chefs, worldly chefs that there's so much pretense and there's so much there's so much arrogance behind the food and, yeah. and the chefs and and again tony brought that down and he brought that yeah. uh, you know it became way more accessible in a way right yeah and like what's funny is the fact that he would always beat on guy fieri, right. fieri it's like <laughs> i like guy fieri like because yeah. the, the, the guy I, the flavor town thing yo man i get the flavor town moments yeah man i get 100%. something new i got i got i get it at a nice restaurant i have a dish i'm just like oh so yeah, good right? exactly it's like i get that i right. get i get guys enthusiasm he's another ordinary guy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is some of it persona of course right of course but like you know this this is just it like uh ordinary people can see themselves in him which means that you can then have that right mm-hmm. and the thing that gets me now i'm 41 years old mm-hmm. gonna be 42 in october mm-hmm. tony didn't get it and, and and tony's first thing was being a writer my first thing was being a writer cool I'm still writing. Oh, too close to the mic. Uh, I'm still writing. Yeah. Uh, my own work, you know, fiction, all this other stuff, right? If tomorrow somebody picked up one of my books and I'm sitting across from Oprah. Yeah. And I'm, I think something like when Oprah, apparently every minute that Oprah's talking about your book, you're selling 200 copies of it a oh minute. Oh my God. Right? Unreal. Or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It, or or 2000, whatever it is, right? Right. If that's happening and I'm set for life, right, I will be happy. Now, like, that gives me kind of hope. Sure. As that the Tony who had this happen to him in '43, having written books that didn't go anywhere prior to this, mm-hmm. getting up every day, already starting to feel it in his bones, right? Like, right. I can't be on the line forever. Sure. Right. Uh, this, you know, Duncan. He 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 described it. He's working at a nice French restaurant at Leal. He's just he described it as just I was dunk I was a I was dunking fries at '43. Next thing you know, I'm in the Sahara. It's like, no, no, you weren't just doing that. You were the sh- you were running the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, 
like that gives me some kind of hope that yeah i won't as much as i love the craft brewing industry here in town i love yeah. i love these places i don't want to be here forever sure exactly um my employers are you know my bosses know this sure. um they don't I just, i'm sure they don't expect that of me mm-hmm. it's the industry yeah exactly um but like i haven't been i'm not on the trajectory that i thought i would be in my 30s mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um certainly not in my 20s mm-hmm. both you know but this is where i'm at so maybe some yeah. people turn around so so tony becomes sort of a Oh, if it happened to him, right? For sure. I mean, I'm I'm good with my rent. <laughs> he said yeah. he never made his rent for like years. Right. Uh, I'm decent with my debt payments. It's exactly. like like I I managed to stay. I'm a, I think I'm a bit more functional than Tony was. Sure. In terms of those responsibilities, right? right? Um, but it's like, so I have some some advantages. But like, I want my big break, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I see it happening to him. It could happen to me too. Exactly. Right. And that's the thing is being in it. And it's yeah. funny with the service industry. You mentioned it before. There's every, almost everyone who works in the industry is also doing something else. Yeah. Because it allows you the, you know, the flexibility, the, weird, the, flexibility, yeah. the hours being different, all that. Like yeah. it allows you to do other things and, and actually go after your passions and anything yeah. like that. And again, if you are someone who wants to be a lifelong server, work in the industry forever, work your way up, become a front of house hostess, yeah. general manager, own the place. Great. Yeah. That's amazing too. And the, and the experience is invaluable. Yeah. But again, the, the flexibility of it does allow you to do what you want Yeah. and then go do right. Yeah. Like that's how we do it. You, you know, it's, it's become somewhat of a theme on this podcast that yeah. you're only doing something if you're doing it. Have you know you, what I mean? Yeah. Have you seen, uh, the night at, I forget what it was the taste or not not the taste it was um I can't think of the name now hopefully okay. we can find it afterwards but there's this video where Vice yeah have you seen the Vice video of Tony having a night out with his with his crew no okay I gotta check that out yeah so the so this is basically when he was in, at, at the no reservation stage okay wicked. so they're meeting him at the zero point zero offices so you see Helen Cho you see Tom Vitale you see Zach Zamboni, right? Like the the, cool. the crew that we've come to know, and, and and it's a weird kind of celebrity right. projection thing. It's like we know, we feel like we know them too, which we don't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so it's like they were just basically having a night out on the town, summer cool. night in Manhattan, right? Cool. So they go to these different these different places, these different stops. The thing that I love the most was the very end. Tony says, "I'm gonna cook a meal for you guys." So they go to Leal. No way. And there was this feeling like he's going back to the captain's going back to the ship. Whoa. Like like Picard has gone back to the Enterprise type right. of thing, right? Right. And so they 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 roll up in front of the place. It's like New Yorkers. Uh, it's, like, it's like nine o'clock or something like that at night. Sure. Summer night. Patio's full. I right. Bet. Gorgeous. That's the stuff you dream about, right? right? He gets out of the car, and then you hear this woman saying, "Oh my God, it's Tony Bourdain!" Right? Right, right. So he's trying to get to the kitchen. He has to stop to sign autographs and get places. Right. But it's like. This was home. Leal was home. And this was something as a freelancer, the one advantage I I did I did see in that kind of office work like mm-hmm. thing, right? That that career I had doing different call center works or mm-hmm. logistics or whatever was like the office was kind of like your ship. Sure. Dunder Mifflin type yeah. of thing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh and, and so like there there's I missed having that space. So now when I'm in the tap room, mm-hmm. Like I just came back from a meeting today, right? right. Like I, I had a I had an Insta meetup with some Instagram folks from Dundas mm-hmm. at the tap room. Right. 
it's my home away from home. Sure. I'm lucky to have two. I actually have the other place, right? Like, so mm-hmm. like I have these, uh, I have these homes away from home now that I can just come and hang out. Exactly. And there's something about being in a physical space. So like everything culminated with him going back to Leal and getting in the kitchen. There's Carlos Laguna, right? right. The guy who took over from him. Right. And like, they're all kind of looking at him like he's, you know, he's like, oh shit, he's going to cook something. Yeah. He's, he's going to fuck up our life. Like right, right? right. Right. So then he goes and cooks. It's like, imagine having that. That's that aspect of the hospitality thing. I love. It's like mm-hmm. your restaurant, your bar, your, you know, it becomes like your, it becomes that, that place of home. The right? person coming back, the off duty chef, whatever you want to say, the, the person who, you know, normally working there, coming there yeah. in the, on the, it's, it's an interesting thing, right? Like you're now a customer, but you're not yeah. really, and you feel comfortable there and you, yeah. there's no pressure of you having to be on and, and take care of anyone. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, I, de- I I was admittedly for the last couple of weeks, I was really getting, I was getting chirped by someone yeah we both know right okay who's kind of just like oh i get it i was in on my i was in on a day that i said i wasn't available to work it's like yeah and, and it's like oh i get it you just don't want the hours i'm like no man <laughs> i need to enjoy yeah man the be- the fruits and benefits of my own workplace because then how enthusiastic do you think i'm going to be as a customer sure Otherwise, right? Exactly. When someone comes, not as a customer, sorry, as a server, right? When, when other customers come mean. in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like, yeah, the best sign of a place that people love mm-hmm. is when the staff is hanging out. Big time. Otherwise, they would just up and leave. Sure. Right? 100%. They want to get out as soon as they possibly can. Some days are like that. That's just work. Yep. But that when you have a place that you're that the staff is coming back to mm-hmm. and bringing their friends to, you know you're in a great place. That's what it's all about. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And uh, again, like community after the pandemic and the lockdown i don't know about most people listening Mm -hmm. but i remembered saying i will all i mean i was generally respectful of service workers anyway Mm -hmm. but especially now because now we actually we're as you said right we're providing the context for the experience of community totally in real life and who knows what's gonna life is not who knows what life is gonna drop kick us with next right right just beat our asses into the ground with next right that stops this experience from happening they're already saying in the fall the, the food price thing combined with a potential resurgence of covid as of this recording who knows if that's going to happen sure right but i mean that's what they're saying is very likely so what does, what does that mean both of i know government wise both of our federal and and um provincial levels are they just got reelected they may not hesitate locking us down knowing that they don't they have like 4 years before we have to vote their you know try to you know vote that we'll we'll right. forget right so i'm i'm afraid of these things right it's not it doesn't keep me up at night if they lock us down i'm out of a job sure twice are we going to have benefits i don't know and again so, it's a shame that they're yeah. going after that part of things right yeah. where again not to go far, too deep away or yeah. too far away it's a, it's an area that the, that is easily controllable. It's already bending over backwards for health yeah. regulations and, and liquor oh, yeah. laws and all that stuff. So if you're going to impose more, yeah. more stuff, they're going to follow it. I don't think people truly appreciate how clean every, how much cleaning we do. Oh my gosh. Right. Sure. And every and place you run out of, to- like stuff happens. You run out of toilet paper, you right. run out of soap, a customer comes in. Right. And it goes back to, to Tony saying, you know, can you check the bathroom? It's like, Sometimes, to use the expression, shit happens. 
Yeah. The timing is bad. Right. Uh, and may not, maybe you were 10 minutes away from having some, a staffer go in and check in, right? But then suddenly that becomes the Google review. Mm-hmm. Oh, one star. Oh, the food was great. Everything was awesome. I, it was amazing. I enjoyed it. But the bathrooms were dirty. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And, and it's like you, you caught it's you have so much and then you have to go on the Google review and you either have to answer it or it, 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 it just becomes a hassle. Right. Mm-hmm. But we are cleaning every night yeah this isn't like your kitchen no no, no. right no, you can no. leave that thing to become a cesspool if you want and still make meals nobody cares right. you have to scrub everything down wipe everything down sanitize everything that was before the pandemic totally right let alone now yeah and it's like and and customers stay in late because you love it so much we're happy to oblige you but beyond a certain point we have to clean after you're gone right yeah and you're keeping us late from our families like like that that's that's something that just you know consider that right yeah the respect that's where i want that's where hopefully we can we can leave everyone today with too is that idea of you know respect the people that that are are the liaisons of your experience yeah right they're there you know whether it's the chef whether it's the server whoever you're seeing they're the ones that are providing a background for your experiences and your memories and everything like that and you know obviously we're not saying that they have to be you know treated any differently than anyone but again don't treat them worse because they're there we're you know everyone's got other experiences too yeah and we're in in People have chosen to do these these jobs too, right? Yeah, so and, respect and, that. And by no means, yeah. uh, don't accept. You know, you don't need to take bad service either, because that sure. is, that because like that 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 is our jobs. We got to do better, right? Like it, I made a mistake the other day with a customer. Mm-hmm. Customer gave me the feedback. I said, "I'm so sorry. I apologize." Right? It's like it's just a dumb thing that that I should have handled better, right? Sure. This is part of it, though. You want to learn. It's like we made it better. The customer came back like a couple of days later. We're happy to see each other. She's like, I hope it wasn't too bad. It's like, no, 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 it's fine. Absolutely. Good day. This is how you, and this is part of that EQ, right? It's part totally. of it. But we, 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 it would be nice to have that kind of reciprocity a lot sure. of the time and a bit of compassion, right? And I think like all around That's in general. And um, again, tying it off to Anthony Bourdain, it's like he showed me that. Mm-hmm. That's what it people. is. And that's what it yeah. is. I think that's what anyone can take away. Yeah. You know, hopefully anyone watching this, you know, is a fan of Anthony Bourdain. But if you're not, again, that's something that you can take away from from him is is being able to go to places with compassion and passion yeah. and and not shy away from certain things that might be different. I think yeah. that's a big thing because there's so many experiences. And, and again, because our, our food is an art form, right? There's mm-hmm. so many different things. There's Yes, there's McDonald's and then there's, you know, art that's going to be in, in a hotel and then there's, you know, the Met and then there's like, you know, Leal and and Michelin star places and stuff, right? Where, again, um, it's a spectrum and there's no, there's no difference. They're both still artwork, right? So if, if you can go out there and take, take any advice from Anthony Bourdain is go out there and not be afraid of things and, and experience things... Uh, yeah. Without reservations. No reservations. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any any place you want to uh, like shout out anywhere? You want to any restaurants in town you, you love and then drop all your Instagram and yeah. anywhere, anywhere people can find you. Let us know. All right. So restaurants off the top of my head. Yeah. Best, best Chinese. Yeah. Right. Authentic Chinese. Mr. Gao's. Mr. Gao's. Made yes. West. Tremendous, right. Tremendous. Tremendous. The Mapo Dofu. Incredible. Mm-hmm. I have to try some of the clay pots too, but I've been waiting 
that got me through lockdown. Okay. <laughs> like you couldn't eat in the restaurant. Now you can't. I have to make some time to go and actually have the clay pot stew. He's got a whole bunch of dishes like that. Very cool. Dundas shawarma. Yeah. Just right around the corner from the Thirsty Cactus. Yeah. The garlic sauce that he makes is like, I don't know what he's doing. He's elevated that to an art form. So it's Oof. actually brilliant. Um, better than the chain places that I won't mention Unreal. that have come through. Sure, right? sure, sure. No hate. Uh, really fantastic. Again, uh, Dunas Verdes. I need to, I, I must make another return to Dunas Amazing. Verdes. Amazing. Are um, they more, uh, so, sorry, not to get too too far. Are they like Azorian Portuguese? Do you know, is it more like... I, I mean, think Portuguese. they're Azor. I think they were Azor. Because yeah. most most of the Portuguese in town are from the Azores. The Azores, yeah. yeah. Which also Which, I learned from. Yeah. Crazy, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's lots of places. Um, Where else? Uh, let's see. I mean, like uh, a couple of places. Uh, I was about to name places that closed. So, so, oh anyway, shoot! During, during okay. the pandemic, right? <laughs> ah, no, yeah, um, but I do. I do have my favorites, like like the yeah. Thirsty Cactus, uh, Cafe Domestique is a nice little coffee shop. I Wonderful. really enjoy them. Wonderful. Uh, shout out to Sean and Ed, Grain and Grit, right? Absolutely. And uh, like and and Fairweather mm-hmm. uh, as breweries in town. Totally. Shout out to Mulberry Coffee Shop, yes. Coffee House, right? Unreal. And the the I cannot I do KW Barbecue. Right next door. Yeah. Saigon Asian House in Westdale. Right. Right. So for some Vietnamese food. Tremendous. Like there's, there's just so many Love great Saigon. places. Yeah. I, I have my favorites and I'm always open for more. Right? For sure. Absolutely. Well, and I'm sure you'll post stuff and stuff. So if there's any new places, where where's everyone going to find you? Uh, so my personal account is Jody Aberdeen, all one word. Check it out. Uh, my stories of Uncle Tony is exactly what it sounds like. That's my Anthony Bourdain tribute account. Mm-hmm. Um. It is. I am not an Insta expert. So I do. Not, I'm not a social media manager. So sometimes I will. This is usually the time where I get more requests for stories. I'll, I'll solicit them as well. Totally. Repost, reshare. Saturday, June twenty fifth, twenty twenty two is Bourdain Day. I'll be working a shift during most of it. Okay. Uh, which is actually you know which yeah. is kind of fitting, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. My first shift working. So like, um, That's perfect. If you have stories related to Tony, I've been asking people. If you've gone to a place, I didn't even talk about Paris. I actually took a solo trip to Paris. Oh, cool. Following Tony's example, where I just wandered the streets. I didn't wow. go to the touristy things. I actually did wow. that. So, like, that was all, that was 100% Tony. Amazing. Right? Um, that's another time, I suppose. But, like, yeah. uh, like, like these are all things, right? So, like, Wonderful. I've been asking people, it's like, if you've been to a place that Tony's been, mm-hmm. send me a picture of Tony in that place. Send me a picture of you in that place. Tell me your story. DM me, tag me, right? And this is not just for Bourdain Day. This is year round, right? Totally. Am I looking at the account every day? No. Mm-hmm. But tag me anyway. I'll yeah. reshare it when I get around to it. Um, but uh, I think it's a great tribute to a guy that really changed the world for a lot of people. And also, uh, it's just good for us as people now as we move into this big unknown of almost, well, everything. Sure. Just to keep that open mind. Remember that you don't need to be afraid of other people who are different than you. Mm-hmm. Right? And... Again, like what Tony said, right? It's like when somebody cooks for you, they're telling you a story. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, just keep your mind open and keep your taste buds open. Yeah. And you'll have some amazing experiences. Again, thank you so much for coming. I can't wait to do this again. Yeah. Um, again, it's 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 interesting, you know, trying to figure out so much information. We can we can keep going. We could probably keep talking forever. So yeah. I can't wait to have you on again. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, again, uh, follow Jody on all, uh, on all of his uh, social media social media accounts. There, I'll post everything uh, in the description of the video on YouTube, and then uh, everyone Instagram there. So check us out. 
again, thank you so much for listening. Um, you know, make sure to hit that bell and get the and subscribe to the uh, channel so you can get all of our YouTube content. If you ever want to reach out again, hit us up on our Instagram at the Big Mark Pod or on our Twitter at the Big Mark Podcast. DM us there. You can always uh, let us know if you want to hear a, a topic of some type or let us know what you think of the podcast. If you can, wherever you're listening, please give us a five star review if you like the podcast. It does wonders for us. Um, uh, pushing us forward in the algorithm and all that stuff. And again, if you wanted to uh, help us out, uh, check our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Big Mark Pod. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you soon. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>